So how are your plans coming for Christmas? I trust they're in place. We used to have, when I was here 150 years ago, um, <laughs> used to have a guy by the name of Pastor Joe, and Pastor Joe did a lot of his shopping, I think, at um, Turkey Hill um, on the 24th. And uh, anyway, his kids got enough though. But anyway, it, uh, it's, it's, it's good to be planning for Christmas because it's coming. I know I was talking to, uh, to someone maybe about three weeks ago, and I said, are you aware of the fact four weeks from this Saturday is Christmas? And they were almost startled by it. I mean, I understand Easter because Easter, we're never quite sure when Easter's going to come. I mean, if I were to ask you, how many of you know when Easter's going to occur in 2022? None of you would know. But the bottom line is, it's on a Sunday. It'll be in your calendar, so you'll know about it ahead of time. But it could be March, it could be April. It could be mid-April even. But Christmas is always on December 25th, every year. It may be a Monday, it may be a Sunday, but it's always on December 25th. So why is it that it still sneaks up on us? I don't know, but it does. It really does. So I hope you're planning. I hope you're doing some planning. I heard about a little guy that was possibly planning and praying. He he got down beside his bed, it was, Christmas was coming up, and he said, um, Dear God, in a loud voice, please bless my mom and bless my dad and, and bless my aunt and my uncle and especially bless my grandma and give us all a good day tomorrow and Jesus, please send me a bicycle for Christmas. His mom heard the noise from downstairs, and so she came upstairs to see what in the world was going on, and she got to the top of the steps and realized he was praying. When he got done, she went in and she said, son, you don't have to yell for God. She said, God hears your prayers. You don't have to yell. You're right in tune with him. It's okay. Just you can talk to him in a normal voice. He looked at her with those big brown eyes, and he said, well, I know that God can hear me, but I know that grandma's downstairs, and she doesn't hear very well, and she's the one with the money for the bicycle. Well, today's headline, a couple of, just, just a couple of weeks ago, was uh, from USA Today, Miracle Baby, 50-year-old woman gives birth to first child after years of infertility. There they are. What a sweet couple. So that couple, he was 60, is 61 years old, she's 50 years old, and baby Lily is now just over three months old. And they had been trying for a family for quite a while, actually 10 years. They kept trying and trying and trying. They were poked and prodded and tested, and Carl and I remember what that's all about. And also beyond that, she had to have inverto in vitro fertilization, she also had to have a surgery, and she also needed to have a donor egg. But there's baby Lily and all of her glory, and it's really, really made a difference in their lives. This morning, we have a story of two miraculous pregnancies, two miraculous pregnancies. Even, even though there's differences in their age and differences in their circumstances, both mothers were chosen by God to be the human instrument to bring in the two most unusual and significant births in the New Testament. For Elizabeth would give birth to John the Baptist. 
And John the Baptist would call people to repentance and to baptism. And he also was there to be a forerunner for Christ and to basically tell his followers that, that there's one coming greater than me and, and you need to follow him. He needs to, he needs to increase in his, in his life. I need to decrease. It's not about me. It's about him. He's the Lamb of God which has come to save the sins of the world. There's this young teenage girl who had not been intimate, had not gone to bed with any man, and she became pregnant. And this lady that, this lady that was barren, the Scripture says, she was not able to conceive. And to quote her husband, he said, I am an old man, and she is well along in years. Well along in years. I think that's kind of code speak. I believe that, that Zachariah, her husband, was a wise man. He wasn't one of the wise men. That's a different sermon. That'll become a different one. But anyway, he was a wise man. And so he wasn't going to say his... I mean, there are words that husbands just should never use to describe their wives. Never. And one of them is old. He would not say that. But he would say she was well along in years. Well along in years. Mary was that, that teenage girl, and Elizabeth was that woman that was well along in years. And actually, to be, to be truthful, the Scriptures goes even further than that because, because God's spokesperson, Gabriel, actually said she was old. Now, if you have a problem with that, don't talk to me. That's, speak to God. That's his spokesperson, the, the, the angel that said that. He said she was old by that time. But I want to talk to you about these two unique women this morning, and I want to share with you some important lessons that we can learn from their example. Elizabeth was married to this Jewish priest, Zechariah, and Zechariah was performing his priestly duties there in the temple, and all of a sudden an angel came to him, very unexpectedly. An angel came to him and said to him, Zechariah, God has heard your prayers. Now that's good news, right? I mean, we all know that God hears our prayers, but it's when an angel shows up and says, God has heard your prayers, it's even more special, I'm sure. But he said, God has heard your prayers, and then he went on to say, and Elizabeth will give birth to a son. Elizabeth will give birth to a son. Now, the Scripture makes it very, very plain that Zechariah was a righteous man, he was a holy man, he, was, he followed God very, very closely. Liz Curtis Higgs tells us that he believed in God, but he wasn't quite sure that God could overcome an obstacle like Elizabeth's infertility. Zechariah said, well, how can I know this is sure? How can I be sure of this? I'm, I'm an old man, and she's well along in years. And then the angel said, because you have doubted, now catch it, because you've doubted what God can do, not, not Zechariah, but because you've doubted what God could do, you will not be able to speak until the birth of your son. Now, the Bible tells us nothing about this next thing, but I really believe it's, it's probably true. I'm sure that Elizabeth probably got a little bit of a charge out of that. She knew that for, I, I don't know anything about how their marriage went, I really don't. I don't know anything about the way that they solve differences and, and problems between them. I don't know about their arguments. I don't know about that. 
But I do know that she knew for the next nine months, she was going to get the last word. Oh, yeah. Actually, the only word. She'd have the, she would have the only word. That would be, that would be it. Uh, a buddy of mine was talking to me some time ago, and he said, um, my wife and I got into an argument last night. And he said, um, she got to use her words, and I didn't get a chance to use my words. Well, sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. But for Elizabeth, for Elizabeth, it was going to be nine months before Zechariah would be speaking. The angel appeared to Mary as well. And the angel, the very same angel, six months later, came to Mary and made her aware of the fact that she was going to give birth to a son and that she was to name the baby Jesus. Now, she had questions, but he went on to say that, that this, the way that you're going to conceive is not in the conventional way at all. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the, the child to be born with you will be called the Son of God. And then he told Mary, and your relative, your cousin Elizabeth, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who has been called barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. I really believe this morning that there are folks listening to us online today. I believe there are people here in this ministry center. I believe there are folks out in the lobby today, in the parking lot today, who really need to hear this. I don't, I don't really know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through right now, but God does. And I would just simply tell you that whatever it is, maybe it's a, a child, a teen or a young adult that's really causing all kinds of challenges for you. Maybe you're praying desperately for them. Maybe it's some kind of a health issue that you have. Uh, maybe, maybe it has to do with your job. But whatever it is, I want to reassure you that these words are true, that nothing is impossible with God. I'm sure some of you have been thinking just now about something in your life that kind of seems impossible. And I would just encourage you to say that with me this morning as an act of faith in your situation. Let's say it together, shall we? Nothing is impossible with God. Let's say it again. Nothing is impossible with God. I got a call, or rather, we were texting last night, a friend of mine that I went to school with. He contacted me and reached out to me and, and said he just wanted to make me aware of something that was going on in his life currently. We hadn't really spoken for, for some time, but he said that he had some heart issues and some lung issues, and he said that um, he went to the pulmonologist a year ago, and they discovered there was just a little bit of a mass in his one lung. And the pulmonologist told him at the time that probably by this time this year that it would have become first stage cancer. And the pulmonologist said it's, it's you know, it's very treatable. When that happens, if, you know, we'll go ahead and, and take additional steps at that point. Most people don't even discover they have lung cancer until it's stage three or stage four. 
but we'll, we'll work with you if, you know, if next year if, when, the, when we get back to the scans. And so they had just gotten back the scans yesterday. And it's interesting. He told me, he said, you know, I've heard of Christmas miracles. I've heard of them a lot, but he said, I've never experienced one. But he said, I, I have mine. He said, this scan came back, and it's totally gone. The mass is not there. And so I would just remind you this morning, God still does that. His family had been faithfully praying, and that's exactly what happened. So keep that before you. You may not need that this week, but you may next week. Nothing is impossible with God. Zechariah found it very, very hard to believe that God could do what the angel was telling him that was going to happen. Again, it wasn't him, but it was God. But because he had trouble believing that, there were consequences to that. Mary, on the other hand, had no trouble accepting it. I mean, basically, she said, I'm, you know, may it, I'm the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. I, I like the way that another translation uh, gives it to us uh, when, when he says simply, I am the Lord's servant, may it happen to me exactly as you have said. Now, Mary, on the other hand, basically was saying, you know, I don't understand it all. I'm a virgin. How in the world this is going to happen? I don't understand it, but I, I understand this. I'm your servant. That's who I am. And I believe you, so bring it on. Bring it on. The scripture tells us that Mary immediately took off for Elizabeth and Zechariah's home. Now, she left for a town in the hill country, the scripture says, of Judea. And most people believe that it's in Kiram that she left for. That would have been 80 miles from her home there in, in Nazareth. It would have been across three mountain ranges. It would have taken probably up to nine days for her to have gotten there. She wouldn't have gone by herself. There were other pilgrims that would have been going to Jerusalem, and so they would have probably, she would just simply joined with other people that were going. But she took off immediately. Mary, think very young teen here, Mary got life-changing news, incredible news, miraculous news. She didn't put it on TikTok or Instagram. She took off. She just took off. And Mary and Elizabeth's meeting was a very, very important meeting. It seemed, it almost seemed like maybe it was a happenstance, but it wasn't at all. It wasn't a chance encounter that they had, but rather God orchestrated the meeting between these two ladies for his purposes, for his purposes and for their purposes. You may have some of those meetings yourself, I know I have, where you, you knew you were going someplace for something and you thought it was for this particular purpose, but God had bigger plans than that. And so God helped you to understand, no, that's, this is really what I'm trying to show you right now. And as a result of that, possibly life changes came to you. Yes, you see, many times God's working behind the scenes for our good, even when we don't realize it. 
God's working behind the scenes for our good, even when we don't realize it. Tell the person beside you this morning, you know that's right. Tell them, go ahead. You know that's right. Elizabeth helped mentor Mary. Now, many people have a built-in role model for them, but some do not. The television show 60 Minutes several years ago had an episode that they ran on, on the park rangers in South Africa at a wildlife refuge. They were concerned because there had been 39 white rhinoceroses that had been killed at that particular wildlife preserve. It wasn't what you would immediately think. It wasn't poachers, but rather it was juvenile delinquents. It wasn't teens or young adults from some neighboring village. That wasn't the issue. No, the juvenile delinquents were teen elephants. The story begins about 10 years before this, when they decided that the park rangers decided that, that their wildlife refuge just couldn't hold the, the way of the population of the elephants was going. It was just too great. And so as a result of that, they decided that they would kill off uh, some of the elephants that were there. And they decided that if, if an elephant's young were old enough to survive without them, then they would get rid of those elephants. As time went on, they began to make a discovery. They saw that, that actually some of the elephants started acting like elephants normally don't act. They started almost operating in gangs, and they would do things that elephants typically wouldn't accomplish. They would shoot water at the rhinos. They would throw sticks at the rhinos. And it even got to the point where, where they would knock over a rhinoceros, and then they would either step on it or else they would kneel on it and literally crush it to death. Without, dominant, without a dominant male role model for them, the young bulls became sexually active, producing testosterone, exhibiting all kinds, all kinds of aggressive behavior. And so they decided Matufo was the, the head of that particular group of, of elephants that was acting badly, and so they put him down. And then they thought the answer would probably be to bring in an older, mature elephant that could serve as a role model for the others. And so that's what they did. The solution was to bring one in, and, and soon that male became dominant within the group. And as a result of that, the killing stopped. He got things under control with the other young elephants, and they were saved. Now, for you personally, it may be that you may not have a good role model in certain areas of your life. If your father was not a believer, then it's possible that you might need to find somebody that you can kind of gear your life after, someone who's really committed to Christ, someone who really loves the Lord, that you could role, be a role model for you in your life and find spiritual assistance there. If you grew up in a home where there were divorces taking place, then it's possible that you need to, to look for someone else, a couple that, that, again, really loves Christ and is committed in their marriage that might be a good role model for you as you pursue marriage or as a young married couple. If your parents treated you poorly as a child, then it may mean that you, you need to seek out somebody that really would be a, a good parent to, to, to children 
And you could get some ideas from them in regards to strategies for being the parent that God's called you to be. When Mary entered Zechariah and Elizabeth's home, she was excited to finally arrive and she was anxious to spend some time with her older cousin, Elizabeth. Mary called out a greeting to Elizabeth and something very, very unexpected happened. The scripture says that, that the baby, John the Baptist, leaped in his mother's womb and, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth then made a prophetic pronouncement over Mary. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear. I like what Daniel Darling said about that particular occurrence. He said, I'm struck by the entire scene described by Luke. An older woman blessing her younger pregnant cousin. The baby John leaping in the womb in worship of the baby Jesus. Here God's promise to Eve has been fulfilled through the pains of childbirth. A prophet and the Christ child and the dawning of new birth. I'd have you notice secondly with me this morning that Elizabeth confirmed what the angel had said. Elizabeth confirmed what the angel said. Mary's words to Elizabeth must have been extremely, extremely important to her. Mary may not have told her parents before she took off that what the angel said. I mean, honestly, Mary was the one who saw the angel. Mary was the one who heard what the angel said. And she probably... She probably couldn't find any fault if her parents didn't believe her or Joseph didn't believe her because if she was being told the story, it's very possible she wouldn't have believed it. But when Elizabeth spoke those words over Mary, how comforting they must have been to Mary, how affirming, how confirming they must have been for Mary. It's, it's the kind of assurance that you need sometimes when you worked on a project and you, you're pretty sure it's right I mean, in your heart, you feel like, yeah, I, got, it. I got, it. got this nailed down. But you give it to someone else and you say, would you take a look at this, please? And they look at it and they say, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's good. Got it good. It's good. It's that kind of thing. One of our sons, when he was 16 or 17 years old, he was involved in a slight car accident on his way to work. And it was his first and, to this point, only accident in his life. And he called me and I immediately went to the accident scene. The police hadn't arrived yet. And the other driver was a middle-aged individual who was quite vociferous about the fact that she felt she was, she was correct and he was in the wrong. And my son was very polite about it, but at the same time, he believed that he was in the right and she was in the wrong. So when the police arrived, they took both stories and looked at the accident scene and they told my son that he was not responsible and then they confirmed that by giving this middle-aged individual a ticket. Some confirmations are more important to you than others. That was an important one for my son. He really appreciated that. Thirdly, Elizabeth provided hospitality to Mary. Elizabeth provided hospitality for Mary. They, they were relatives, and so Elizabeth was certainly glad to have her cousin spend some time with her, no question about it. The families probably didn't spend a lot of time together because of the distance from that they lived from one another, so they would have enjoyed that time together. It would have been really, really hard for families at that time to keep up with one another if you were far apart from one another. I mean, there was no postal service if you wanted to send a scroll to somebody. I mean, it just, you couldn't do it. 
FedEx, UPS, Amazon, none of them were around at that time. And so as a result of that, it would be hard, it would be hard to keep up with family members who lived a distance from you. And if you went to visit them for a few days, there were no five-star hotels. There was not even a place that left the light on for you. I mean, maybe not even a candlelight. But, but they did have inns, and you could go there for a couple of days, but she was there for three months. Three months. What do you think... Zacharias said, when Elizabeth said to him, uh, honey, she's going to be here for a while. She's going to be here for longer than what you're thinking really right now. Three months. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Zacharias said? He didn't say anything because he couldn't speak, remember? Yeah, he didn't say a word. Didn't say a word. But I bet he had words to say. I bet he did. But Mary also helped as well because, as, as you'll remember, Elizabeth was quite a bit older than her. Elizabeth, by this time, was six months pregnant. And so she was able to help her in different ways. And I'm sure that she really enjoyed the conversations that they were able to have and getting caught up with Mary's family. So let's take a minute to think about your situation this morning. You know, you have a few just a few days left between now and Christmas and New Year's during this time. Let me ask you, what, what is it that you could do for someone else? You know, Carl and I have been praying uh, each day specifically for many that fall into the category of, I mean, Christmas is normally such a joyous time, such a happy time, until it's not. And sometimes you go through something with, that really, maybe you're not looking forward to Christmas. Or maybe, maybe there's just so much darkness at that particular time for you, it's hard for you to see the joy or the happiness. You could pray for people like that. Maybe there's someone in your network of friends, maybe there's someone in the church family that God would bring to your mind, that you could give them a phone call. You could send them a text. You could encourage them. Maybe even there's sometimes older individuals that really don't have a lot of family around, and there's not a lot going on in their lives. And what you could do if you wanted to is you could call them and, and see, you know what, would you mind if I pick you up? And we could go out for a cup of coffee. Who doesn't like a cup of coffee, right? Who doesn't like, except those of you that don't like a cup of coffee. All right, whatever, whatever, whatever. Or, or you, could, you could go to Chick-fil-A. I hear that this time of the year, they've got those milkshakes that have peppermint in them with the ice cream. At least that's what I've had the last couple of times I was there. They're really good. They're really good. And, and no, you can't go now. That's correct. That's right. It's Sunday. That's right. But you could do that for maybe a friend of yours, someone that's just really going through a challenging time. Spend some time with them. 2022 is just around the corner. You might be praying about how God could use you in this new year to make a difference for them. How God could help you really to, maybe it's a non-saved friend of yours, how God could use you to partner 
with God so that they might come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God wants to use you. He wants to use your time, your talents. He wants to use your friendships to make a difference for him. Let's make it happen. Let's pray together, shall we? So, Father, I thank you today for your love for each of us. I thank you for Mary and for Elizabeth, for their example. I thank you, Father, for these godly women. I thank you for the way in which you use them to make a difference. I pray for each one that's here this morning. You're aware of where everyone is. I pray for those that are going through challenging times, that you'll be with them and give them your peace. I pray as well that you might, might use us to help make a difference in someone else's life. We love you today and we thank you for the life that you've given us through Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.